Today's episode is called Seven Rules to Follow in Home Design. Spoiler alert, I don't follow the rules and you're going to hear why and you're going to hear what I do instead of following these rules and how I want you to think beyond rules, think beyond the shoulds and the have tos and the must dos in home design. Stick around and enjoy today's show. We grew up with the phrase, home is where the heart is, but our culture has shifted and now the message is, home should be Pinterest perfect. I'm calling BS on that message. Home, it's not about the stuff, it's about the story. And whether you know it or not, your home is a reflection of you and is already saying something. So what is it that you want it to say? Hey, I'm Danny, a former first grade teacher turned home decorator. Going from a dual income to a single income so I could stay home with my babies meant budget, like ramen eating, goodwill shopping budget. And I learned a few things along the way like how to bring big style to your home without breaking the bank. And I'm sharing it all with you. Tips, tricks, decor, and design advice so you can learn to tell your story with your style. Where you can start living free from the Pinterest perfect trap and start living a life of intention. Welcome to Fig and Farm at Home, where we design happy living and where it doesn't have to be perfect to be beautiful. I have been a rule follower for as long as I can remember. Not drawing negative attention to myself is, was probably at the heart of that. And I remember Rules and I deeply attached to each other through elementary school, junior high, high school, on every sports team I was on, and that was a lot, into college, into marriage, and even into the delivery room with my second son. I remember laboring all day at home and wanting to make sure that I was there to put my first son to bed before I went into the hospital. And in doing that, I missed my opportunity for an epidural. I wasn't too worried about that because the first time I gave birth, I got an epidural, but it didn't quite work. (laughs) I still felt everything. And the anesthesiologist was wondering what is happening. (laughs) So I wasn't too worried about missing it. But if you have given birth, or if you can imagine, you probably can fathom that it doesn't feel very good, right? (laughs) So I was in the delivery room with my second son, and Rules was right there with me. Rules was there. As I was laboring and I was starting to really feel it, I screamed and pushed, pushed and screamed. And the doctor encouraged me, set a rule, really, set a rule saying, why don't you put all of the energy from your scream into your push? That was a rule. That was a boundary that was set before me. And so I did it, even though I did not want to, even though my body was telling me, do not do that. I did it. I was so beholden to the rule. Henry came, all was well. Um, But that experience stayed with me, that I was so worried about following a rule or breaking the rule that I did what felt unnatural at the moment. Rules continued to stay with me until I got into home decorating. And in home decorating, I seem to have broken all of the rules. I don't hold tight and fast to the rules and regulations that some designers might. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. So why am I talking to you then? Why is this show called Seven Rules to Follow in Home Design? That's a good question. You might be surprised at the answer. Okay, so my top seven rules to follow in home design. Rule number one, don't get triggered by traps you see on Pinterest. And if you can imagine Pinterest, you can see those pictures popping up at you. You might be drawn into something that might say, five mistakes you could be making in home design. 
10 mistakes you're making that make your home look stupid. (laughs) They don't use that word, but they might as well, right? (laughs) So let me just start by saying, you know, if you're triggered by the word mistake, or if you're drawn into the word mistake, and that is the thing that is kind of causing your action in your home design, mistakes assume bad choices. But I want to remind you that that was a choice you made in your home, right? You made the choice for that fluffy pillow, or you made the choice for the too small rug, or you made the choice for the oversized couch, or whatever it is that they are claiming is the mistake, and I'm air quoting, you made that choice because you liked it, because you could afford it, because it felt right at the time. And what I want to say is that those choices aren't mistakes. Those choices, we're going to stick around until you hear number seven, because you're going to know what I think about those air quote mistakes in your home design. But I want you to know that when you make that choice and you're confident in that choice, or even you're not confident in that choice, it was a choice you made. And you don't need to feel bad about it. And you certainly don't need to to approach it thinking that it was a mistake. Maybe moving forward, you might recognize, oh, I'll make a better choice next time. I'll make a different choice next time. But it's not a mistake. The other thing too, when you get triggered by traps on Pinterest are, are some of the images, the perfect looking homes, the ones that look like it's a showcase, it's on display. And what I want to remind you is that memories are made in the messes. Love is fostered in the everyday mundane moments. And those pictures that you see on Pinterest and on Instagram and all all the places, those are not the mundane moments. Those are the curated moments. Those are the highly picked up moments. Those are the guest is coming over and that guest is the queen moments. Those are sometimes the highly stressful moments. And those mundane moments of life that make your life unique and wonderful and special and beautiful, those mundane moments are not Pinterest images. They're not Instagram reel worthy. They will never be. So I hereby give you permission to not be drawn into the idea that your decision making was a mistake. Instead, maybe you can use that information as a tool to move forward. So for example, if one of the mistakes is your curtains are too short, A mistake you're making is that your curtains, you bought the 84-inch curtains instead of the 96-inch curtains. Okay, think about why they're telling you 96-inch curtains are what you should buy and why they're saying that. Could you use that as information to inform decision-making in the future? Yes, absolutely. But you certainly don't need to feel bad about the decision you made in the past when you bought the 84-inch curtains. And this leads me to rule number two. Stop comparing your home to your friend's home, or worse, the home you see on Pinterest. (laughs) Okay, are you catching the theme here? On any day, in any situation, comparison is just not a good thing, right? It leaves you feeling like you can't measure up, like you might be unworthy, like you might feel defeated, less than. And that is not a good, that's not a good feeling anywhere, anytime. It just isn't. So imagine creating a home and a home environment for your family with that mindset. You come in thinking, I'm never going to measure up to Susie down the street. My home is never going to be as beautiful as Nancy's. And then you create a space. Sure, it might be pretty, but if you go into it with the idea that it's never going to be this, or if it's never going to be that, it's always going to be less than, think about the culture you're creating for your family with that mindset. Probably not a great one. 
So can you use your friend's home or the pictures you see on Pinterest as an inspiration? Absolutely. Okay, I've been hinting at this for a while, but in July, next week, actually, we are starting a little series called, But Where Do I Start? And we are going to be talking about how to use Pinterest as a tool instead of a trap. Because we all know it can be a trap. It can be a trap for a time. It can be a time suck. And it can also make us feel less than. And we don't want that. We want to use it as a tool. But your friend's home you know, you have relationship with your friend and you might think you might go over and you might see all of the beautiful things that they've created or done or put together. And if you leave feeling my home will never measure up, I wonder if you can start asking your friend questions. Start learning in the same way that you're learning from the, you know, air quote mistakes that drew you in in that first rule, the same way that you're learning there, can you learn from your friend? Can you start asking your friend questions about the choices she made? Can you say, I just admire your home so much and the way that you put it all together. Can you tell me a little bit? Can you teach me a little bit? How did you make this feel cohesive? Or what what were some of the things you thought about that made your space feel cozy? These are the feelings I feel when I'm here and I love it. How did you do that? and be specific. Your friend might not know. Sometimes it is inherent and sometimes they're just really good at it. Sometimes them not knowing and them verbalizing it, it might come out a little clunky and chunky, but that's okay, right? It's like peer teaching. You can learn from your friend, even if your friend is not a designer. They give you tools and tips that they used and you can apply them to your own home, to your own style. This happened to me Early, early on when we first owned our home, our first home in Iowa, I had two girlfriends who every time I went to their home, it was beautiful and I was so inspired and I started asking questions. I started paying attention. I started noticing the teeny tiny little details that carried over from one room to the next. And when it was time for me to start thinking about, oh, you know, I'm ready to paint my my kitchen, I called up one of those friends and I said, what do I think about here? What I'm thinking about a color change and what would you do? And that was so helpful. It was a trusted friend and her advice was a starting point for me. So ask your friends some questions. If their homes are inspiring to you, ask, bring over a coffee, sit down, take notes, take pictures and ask. The third rule to follow in home design. Be wary of designers who overuse the word should, or who don't seem to understand that they are not going to be living there once they're done designing your project. (laughs) Oh, basically what that boils down to is who don't listen to your wants, your needs, your desires, your hopes for the space, who have closed minded ideas and opinions, who are so beholden to their own way of doing things that they forget that you actually live there. Be wary of that. I want to tell you a story about a client I had recently. She came to me admitting a little sheepishly that she has outdated furniture, but it's furniture she loves. And she she wanted to make her space feel cohesive with using that outdated furniture. Okay, so that was a preface. That was a conversation we had before I even walked into the space. And when I walked in, yes, I saw furniture that was from probably the 1990s. But this furniture, um, it was a couch and a love seat. And the furniture was color that they loved. It was in really great 
great condition and it was super comfy. It also had a story. It had traveled with them from their old house into this new home and they loved it. End of story. They loved it. They wanted to keep it. Awesome. Fantastic. So how do we design around that? So I had two choices. I had two options. One was to take the route of well, you could do this, but it, you need to make sure that you have the um, brand new furniture because it's going to look outdated no matter what you do. Or using that as my foundation to my design and creating a space that felt like it could update the area, update the room without eliminating the couches that they loved. Can you guess which one I did? Yeah, I designed around it. We toned down the color of the couch by bringing in neutrals and lights. You better believe I did get on my hands and knees after asking permission to see if there was any way we could remediate the skirting around the couch ourselves so that we could highlight the legs of the couch and make that feel more modern. Okay, that didn't quite work. We had to leave the skirting, but bringing in neutral colored chairs to complement or contrast these hunter green couches neutralized the green and it made the space feel a little bit more cohesive, of course, with other things too. But the point is having a designer, if you are hiring a designer, hiring one who respects that you might love the things that you love, even if it is in a disagreement with their style, their philosophy, their aesthetic, because ultimately it is your space, your home, the designer doesn't live there, and you need to be happy with it. So keep that in mind if you're hiring a designer. And one other quick tip, if you are hiring a designer, you cannot overshare. So give them lots of details, lots of information about how you use the room, want to use the room, what you love, what you don't love. All of that information is so helpful for your designer to be able to hone in on your aesthetic, the style that you're going for, and the culture of the room you want to create. So you cannot overshare. One other quick tip that I just thought of is just make sure that you have conversations with your designer before you hire them. Can you connect with them on a personal level? Do they make you feel at ease? Because chances are, if they make you feel at ease, they're going to bring that vibe into your home. Rule number four, which really piggybacks on the story I just shared about my client. Pay attention to the sweet three-letter word, joy. That client I just talked about, those couches brought her joy. She loved her couches. And when I mentioned in that story, I said, period, end of story. There we go. That is the inspiration behind the room. That is the foundation. Oftentimes when you approach your home design, designing with one inspiration piece is super important. That one inspiration piece can inform the design for your entire room. In that case, in the case of my client, those hunter green couches were the inspiration behind the entire room design. Several years ago, when we moved from Iowa to the Pacific Northwest, I wanted to redo our master bedroom. Actually, I wanted to just do our master bedroom. It was painted beige, and when we moved in, it was still beige, and I, I didn't want that. I had one piece in mind that informed the design decisions for the entire room. It was a gift that was made for me from one of my dear friends from Iowa, and it was a quilt. And if you have ever sewed, if you've ever quilted, you know that that is a labor of love. And to gift that, to give it away, just was so incredibly generous. The quilt was all of my favorite colors, 
aquas and greens, but light greens like lime greens and chartreuse greens and whites and pinks. So all of that together informed the colors I brought into my room. And I decided to paint the walls, the foundation, a light gray. Grays were starting to come in at the time and starting to take over for the beiges of the years prior. And then I started bringing in other colors that were from the quilt. I brought in white duvet cover. I brought in some just a few pieces of pink, a pink pillow, a little bit of pink on a Euro sham, and then aqua curtains and some light greens just here and there. That quilt brought me so much joy and served as an inspiration piece. So if you are ever stuck on a design and if you are wondering, gosh, I could give anything away in this room, but this one thing, that's your ticket, girls. That is the ticket that can be the inspiration piece for your entire room. Taking colors from that, playing off of that one inspiration piece can inform an entire room's design. So just as important as paying attention to that three little word joy and the things that bring you joy and informing design based on those things, the things you want to keep, the things you want to hold on to, pay attention to the things that don't bring you joy. That you walk by and you think, actually, it doesn't bring me joy. It. I hate this piece. I abhor this piece. I detest this piece. I despise this piece. Those are such strong words that cannot be ignored. Okay? Pay attention to it. And then I want you to dive a little bit deeper and ask yourself, why? Why does that piece in your room bring up so much yuck that you can say, I hate that piece. I don't like that piece, whatever it is. Ask yourself the question, why? Why doesn't it bring joy? Does it trigger a memory? Was it given to you by someone and that has a negative connotation? Does it feel outdated or old or like it has lived its story and its purpose and you are no longer living that? Does it feel like it needs to be retired? Maybe that's it. Maybe it's something else entirely, but pay attention to that. Is it just that you walk by and you think, that is just so ugly? Before discarding it, before dismissing it, I want you to think now about how you can view it in a different light. Is it something that can be modified? Is it something that with a little creativity, you can update it into a way that would be um, maybe more modern, maybe start telling a new story. Like in the case of my client's couch, when I got on my hands and knees and looked underneath the skirting, I was trying to tell a new story. I was trying to see if we could change out the legs in order to give it an updated look. Maybe it's something that can be painted. If it's maybe an old piece of furniture that Aunt Mildred gave to you, and it just reminds you of going to Aunt Mildred's house every summer and how Aunt Mildred always had doilies and you are not a doily person and it just makes you feel like you are stuck in the 1970s or whatever. Can it be modified? Can it be painted? Chances are, yes, it can. Can you update it in a way that tells your story and gives personality, your personality to a piece that seems like it could be retired. So that can happen. And I want to encourage you to think before you pass something by, like a piece of furniture, I want to encourage you to try thinking about it in a different light. What is the worst that can happen if you paint it? You have to repaint it. Maybe you have to sand it. What is the worst that can happen if you add wallpaper backing to the back of a bookshelf? Because you hate the bookshelf. Well, maybe you take off the backing and you have it sit flush against the wall. Maybe you give it away, but you would have given it away anyway. 
girls, I have a class online. It's hosted through Teachable and it is how to paint furniture using chalk paint. Go check it out. If you have a piece that you walk by and it feels so tired and like it is ready to retire, you're ready to take it to the dump, you're ready to give it away, you're ready to kick it to the curb, maybe you could paint it. Maybe that painting can not only be a way to update it, to modify it into the current century, (laughs) but maybe it is something that you can, it can now start reflecting you. You can find that class on my website, figandfarmathome.com, underneath the tab courses, and it'll take you right there. All right, rule number six is really akin to rule number five. Remember that it's okay to break the rules or guidelines of home design if it makes you happy. That's the bottom line. If it makes you happy, don't worry about breaking the rules. Okay, so rules to me feel, they feel stiff. Rules to me feel rigid, constricting. And so moving forward, you are not going to hear me talk about rules. You're not. You're gonna hear me talk about guidelines. And those guidelines are, are helpful. Those guidelines are meant to be a tool for you to find your way in the dark. They're meant to be a tool for you to use and to fall back on if you need it, if you want it. But ultimately, it is never meant to be a, you should do this, you need to do that, you have to do that. If you like 84 inch curtains and I'm saying, hey, you need to use 96 inch curtains because it's gonna make your room look better, but you like the 84 inch curtains, great, use the 84 inch curtains. Because if it makes you happy, it is your home and you live there. I don't. And neither does any other designer unless you live with the designer. (laughs) As I was thinking about guidelines to follow and guides in general and life examples of what real life guides are like, the idea of climbing Mount Everest and using a Sherpa as a guide in order to help you navigate that road successfully, smoothly, and safely immediately came to mind. And I've never been to Mount Everest. I've never hired a Sherpa, but I imagine that Sherpas are there in order to lighten the load. They're there to navigate the journey. They're there to help navigate the weather, to help you stay as safe as you can be. And they're there because they have experience. They have a lot of experience. They know the weather patterns to look out for. They know when to say no, when to turn back. They know what footholds to hang on to and what is safe and what is not safe. They know when to challenge and to push and they know when to pull back. And (laughs) so if you'll let me, I will be your Sherpa, providing guidelines along the way in order to allow you to make the choices that will best reflect you and your family's story in your home design. Of course, I'm not going to be responsible for the safety and your livelihood like a Sherpa would be, but providing those guidelines, providing a safe place for you to experiment and to land and to bounce ideas off of is what I hope to do here. And as your Sherpa, I am giving you all permission to make design decisions that make you happy, that bring you joy. I give you permission to discern which guidelines are applicable to you which guidelines you would like to use to, in order to inform your design, which guidelines make sense for you, not what rules you need to follow, not who you need to compare yourself to, none of that. And that leads me to rule number seven, which actually comes from the great American poet Maya Angelou. Do the best you can until you know better. 
then when you know better, do better. That's the goal here at Fig and Farm at Home. The goal is to provide guidelines and not rules. Guidelines that will help you to make the most informed design decisions for your family so that you can learn to tell your family's story with your style. And you can do it in a way that reflects you and not me because I don't live there with you. (laughs) The goal is to empower you to shrug off the comparison, shrug off the idea that you have made mistakes in home design. They're not mistakes. They're like happy accidents right? What Bob Ross would always say. They're happy accidents. (laughs) So girls, I hope today's episode was helpful. The seven rules you must follow in home design is basically not following the rules, (laughs) using the guidelines to serve you in a way that really serves you. All right, next week, you're going to want to return as we start the series. But where do I start? I hope you'll stick around. See you soon. Hey, real quick before you go. If you learned something new or found value in today's podcast, would you head over to iTunes to Fig and Farm at Home and leave a review and subscribe to the show? That would be awesome. And if you'd like to connect with my community of mamas who are learning to be intentional storytellers within their own homes, join us at bit.ly forward slash design 101 group. There's always more room at the table. See you soon.